we were talking about this in um, discipleship uh, this morning, and um, we're talking about the fact that if we're going to if we're going to be biblically right in our practice and in our Christianity, we've just got to follow the early church and follow the principles and the precepts that are laid down. And it's a matter of keeping the old way. You know, it's not about changing, well, we're in 2022 and it doesn't matter. The Bible hasn't changed. God's ways hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Now, you know, we, we, we make changes with things like modern technology and things like that, but I'm talking about the fundamentals and the principles of Christianity, New Testament Christianity. And it's the old way. It's the good way. It's the right way because it's God's way. And there's lots of new things that you can adapt and there's old things that you can get rid of, but you do that to a point what we've got now here on the, on the coast, on Sunshine Coast, and I'm not saying we're the only sound church, biblical, I, I believe we are biblical, I believe we are sound, otherwise I wouldn't be here. But we got churches, that's a very loose term, on the Sunshine Coast, around Australia and around the world, their practice and their belief, you can't find it in the Bible. It's unbiblical. It's no longer church. It's a social gathering. It's a religious social gathering. But to call it church, uh, we're stretching it to call it church. Revelation chapter 13 is where we'll be this morning. Revelation 13. Our scripture reading for this morning will be verse 1 down through verse 10. Uh, we won't try and cover the whole chapter. We tried to do that last week and it took me three days to recover. I don't know how long it took you to get over it, but um, we're not going to do that again. So we'll just slow down a little bit. Perhaps we won't preach as long and uh, we'll, well, we might. But um, Revelation 13 verse 1 through 10, if you're able... And willing, let's stand in reverence to the word of the Lord this morning. We're going to read Revelation 13, 1 through verse 10. So let's read the word of God together. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave under the beast, which gave power under the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity, he that killeth with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Let's bow for a word of prayer. We'll ask the Lord to help us. Pastor Marsh, would you pray for us this morning, please? Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in the house of the Lord. We thank you for the blessings we've already received. And now, Lord, it's time for the preaching of the word of God. I pray that you take our preacher, loose his tongue, illuminate his mind, 
given liberty and option to preach the word of God give us ears to hear to understand and we'll thank you for it but we ask it in Jesus name Amen Amen Amen. You may be seated Amen Revelation 13 Uh, there's a lot in Revelation 13 I'll say this by way of introduction and uh I won't go over the whole chapter, but let me just say this. There are the two beasts introduced to us in this chapter. Uh, We'll focus just on the first beast this morning in verse 1 through verse 10. Uh, But there's a lot going on here. And I need to remind you as we approach this passage, and I've reminded you every time, and I'm going to say it every time we're here, we're in the midpoint of the tribulation period. We have we uh, have come through the first three and a half years, and uh, we're in this midpoint. We're focusing on things happening in heaven before they happen on earth during the last three and a half years of the great tribulation. As we step into this passage, and there's you know everyone's got an opinion about all sorts of stuff here, but let me just say this as we begin. I, I'm going to say we, but I'll say I. But I mean we, and you do with it what you want. We're not going to interpret the Bible by current world events. We're going to interpret current world events by the Bible. You will get yourself twisted up in 15 different knots if you try and st- if you st- start to try and interpret the Bible by current world events. The reason being, current world events change. The Bible never does. So we take the Bible and we interpret current world events by the Bible rather than taking the Bible and current world events and trying to interpret scriptures. That happens all the time. You hear preachers doing it all the time. You hear people that study the Bible do it all the time. And they, they take current world events, things that happen in government around the world, and then they interpret the scriptures by it. Problem is, in 12 months' time, two years' time, 10 years' time, it changes. The Bible never changes. So just take the word of God and interpret what's happening in the world by the Bible. All right, that's my little rant to start us off with. So we're just going to work our way down through the chapter, down through each verse, down through verse 1 through 10. And I want you to notice I've got uh, nearly, what, about 11 things. I want you to 11 points this morning. And uh, we're going to spend about 15 minutes on each one. No, I don't think we will. Point number one, I want you to notice the beast introduced. Point number one, the beast introduced, and that is verse one. Feel free to shut that window if we need to. Uh, the beast introduced in verse one. Notice what it says. And I stood upon the sand of the sea... And saw a beast rise up out of the sea. The sand of the sea, all through scripture, the sand of the sea uh, speaks of uh, great multitudes of human beings. The first mention in the scriptures is Genesis 32 and verse 12. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. The first mention of the sand of the sea in scriptures speaks of a multitude of people. The last mention of the word of this phrase is found in Revelation 20 and verse 8. And it says, And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. It says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. I think that speaks of a great multitude of people. It speaks of the multitude of this world. And he saw a great multitude, the population of this world. And if we take that and we interpret it through, notice what it says. So he sees he's standing on the, on, upon the sand of the sea and perhaps standing seeing the multitude of people, the world population. And notice what it says. And, and, and saw a beast rise out of the sea. 
Perhaps what he sees is a beast uh, and we find that this is an individual, an individual that rises out of the population of the world, the multitude of the world, the population of the world. This, this individual, this person rises up out of the world population. But neither here nor there, we see this beast introduced. And it says a beast rise up out of the sea and notice it says having seven heads, and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. This beast that rises up out of the sea, and we know that this beast is the earthly manifestation of Satan's power on earth. He is the earthly representation of the dragon, Satan's power upon earth, during this great tribulation period. This beast is a person, not an organisation or a government. He will be the king or ruler of the satanic one world government that is represented by the seven heads, the ten horns and the ten crowns. He will be, he's not just, he's not just uh the dictator is beyond that. He's the supreme ruler. He's the supreme political ruler on this earth. And he's been used and empowered and guided and directed by Satan himself. This beast will be the political leader of the world of this time. Let me give you some biblical names for this individual. We see in our text... He's referred to as the beast in Revelation 13, verse 1 and 2. But would you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians? And I, I encourage you to mark this passage. We'll be back in First and 2 Thessalonians a few times. We'll be back and forward. So I encourage you to put a piece of paper or, I don't know, a big toe or something there. Whatever you do, a finger, however you can mark the spot. Notice you'll, you'll notice him referred to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Oh, hang on. Verse, sorry. Um, Yes, it is verse 3, sorry. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And notice it, and that man of sin. He's the beast. He's the man of sin. And then he's also referred to as the son of perdition. He's referred to as the beast, Revelation 13, 1 and 2. He's referred to as that man of sin, here in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, he's referred to as the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. And then he's also, notice in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, he's referred to as the Antichrist. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last time and as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So some names that can be given to this beast is the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, that wicked, and also the Antichrist. Having these seven heads and ten horns upon his, upon his horn, ten crowns, speaks of the political confederacy of that day that makes up the kingdom of the Antichrist upon this earth. It says upon his heads, not one head, but notice in our verse, Revelation 13 and uh, verse 1, and upon his heads, plural, the name singular of blasphemy. On each one of these heads is a single name and it's the name of blasphemy. I'll give you a possibility. I'm not going to split hairs about it. I'm not even going to debate over it. Uh, and, but let me give you an idea. Go with me to Matthew chapter 24, if you would please. 
This is in context. We know that Matthew chapter 24 uh, in context is speaking of the last days. It's speaking of the tribulation period. And this is just an idea of what this name may be. And uh, you do with it what you will. Matthew 24, notice verse 5. And many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Notice also, if you would please, verse 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Luke chapter 21 and verse 8 says, And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Here's a thought. Could it not be that the Antichrist, who sets himself up as God himself, has the name of blasphemy upon each of the heads? Could it not be the name of Christ? How much more blasphemous can it be than to have the very name of Christ upon the Antichrist, pretending to be the Christ when he's involved in such reprobation and wickedness? Uh, I'm not going to preach that with authority. I'm not even going to teach that with authority. But it is a possibility. Amen. Could it not be the very name of Christ? We're warned in, in context in Matthew 24, many are going to come in my name. Many are going to come saying, I am Christ. Well, don't you think the Antichrist who sets himself up as God, it, representing God on the earth and everyone bow down and worship him, uh, isn't it fitting that he would actually have Christ written Upon his forehead? Oh, how blasphemous. But wouldn't the world love a Christ that loves sin? Wouldn't, wouldn't the world love a Christ that loves idolatry? Wouldn't the world love a Christ that loves humanism and self-love? Of course the world would, and the world will go all after a Christ like that, but you represent a biblical Christ and most of the world will shun him. So we see the beast introduced in verse 1. Secondly, this morning, uh, the beast described in verse 2, Revelation 13 and verse 2. Notice the description, the beast described. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Notice the beast described. He's like unto, he's not a leopard. There's like unto a leopard, similar to a leopard, like unto a leopard, spotted, tearing, destroying, I don't know, pretty. They're beautiful leopards, aren't they? Incredible creatures. I love leopards. But this beast, he's like unto a leopard. Not only is he like unto a leopard, but his feet were as the feet of a bear. He doesn't have the feet of a bear. But it says his feet as the feet of a bear, perhaps slow moving and powerful. His mouth as the mouth of a lion. He doesn't have, he's, it's not a mouth of a lion, but it's as the mouth of a lion. A roaring like seeking whom he may devour. Have a look at Psalm 17, if you would please turn to Psalm 17 and verse 11 in light of this mouth of uh, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now we could, and again, I said at the very beginning, and this is why I said I didn't say it for a waste, just so I could get my word count up. I, I said at the beginning, we're not going to take uh, current world events and interpret the scripture by current world events. We're going to take the scripture and interpret current world events by the Bible, right? We could speculate, and it is speculation, Oh, we see a bear. Ah, oh, Russia. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. It doesn't say like a bear and it's Russia. It just says it's like a bear. As feet as a bear. It, it may be right, but it may not be Russia. I don't see Russia. I'm not saying it's not Russia, but I'm not going to preach and teach emphatically that it is Russia. Psalm 17 verse 11. You know, there's a, well, you say, well, yeah, but the bear represents Russia. The bear represents all sorts of countries around the world. 
Psalm 17, 11, they, they have now compassed us in our steps. We're Psalm 17 and verse 11. They have now compassed us in our steps. They've set their eyes bowing down to the earth like as a lion that is greedy of his prey and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked which is thy sword. Oh, no doubt the Antichrist will come greedy after his prey. And we know his prey is the woman, chapter 12, the nation of Israel. Oh, and he'll greedily pursue his prey. Notice his power, thirdly. Thirdly, this morning is the beast's power. It's also shown in verse 2. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now remember, in chapter 12, the dragon was cast out of heaven to the earth, right? He's now in this atmosphere. He's now cast down. He's no longer in heaven, in the heavens. He's down here on earth. And while he's down here on earth, we are told that this beast, the Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, he, the dragon, the dragon gives him his power, his seat, and his authority. What's that mean? It's delegated. It's delegated power, it's a delegated seat, and it's delegated authority. The Antichrist in and of himself has no power, has no authority, and has no seat. It is given to him by the dragon. And we know that who the dragon is, according to Revelation 12 and verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Satan, the devil, gives this beast, the Antichrist, this individual, gives him his power. It's incredible, isn't it? We're talking about a human being with the power of Satan given him. So we see his powers delegated. Fourth thing this morning, notice verse 3, we see the beast is wounded and healed. And I saw one of his heads, so he's got seven, remember, and one of them, I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. He's wounded to death. He's healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. The wound that the beast receives at the very least appears to slay him, appears to kill him, if not actually does kill him. Notice the language of your Bible. And I saw one of his heads as it were, as it were wounded to death. It was a deadly wound and it was healed. It may have killed him. It may not have killed him. Whatever it is, it's a counterfeit resurrection. And again, think about the fact that he possibly has the name of Christ. In blasphemy, the, the name of blasphemy, the name of Christ written across his head. Didn't Christ resurrect from the dead? He's just an imitator. Satan's always been an imitator. He's still an imitator. He's, he's got nothing original. He just imitates Christ. He's just the anti-Christ. He just pretends to be Christ. He's just against Christ, but yet he's trying to imitate Christ at every turn. It's interesting that the wound is in his head, according to Genesis chapter 3. Do you remember the first prophetic, the per, first prophetic passage of Scripture in regards to the Messiah? Genesis 3 and verse 15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 13 puts it this way, Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed, thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation of, thy ne- of the neck. Selah. Oh, he's wounded to the head. And his deadly wound is healed. 
The power to heal the wound by a miracle. Amazing. Amazing. Either a, at the very least, a counterfeit resurrection. And the whole world just wonders. That's where we get that word awe from. They're just awe-inspired. They just wonder after the beast. Wow. Wow. Just absolutely taken in by this miracle-working power. Boy, that reminds me of a whole lot of charlatans that name the name of Christ in our Pentecostal circles. I tell you, those people have got an awful lot to answer for. And I I believe there are genuine Christians in those circles, but I'll say this. The devil is using that crowd to prepare this world for miracles and signs and wonders. Notice, the, we've noticed the wound, we've noticed the healing. Notice, fifthly, I want you to notice the beast and the dragon are worshipped. Verse 4. And so they wondered after the beast, just amazed or inspired. Wow, did you hear what happened? Did you see what happened? Oh, he got a deadly wound and he healed himself. He, he come back to life. It's amazing. He must be Christ. He, he must be the promised one. He must be the saviour of the world. Remember the condition the world's in. Remember we've been through how many judgments already? 14. The world's in disarray. The world has just been wiped out. The, 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 the world is just in perplexity. And now this beast rises. Notice verse 4, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power under the beast, and they worshipped the beast. Their, their response to the healing of the wound, worldwide, universal devil worship. They don't first worship the beast, they worship the one that gave him the power that he had. You see that even in this situation, Satan is just using the Antichrist. Satan's just going to use you. He's going to chew you up. He's going to spit you out into hell. And you're going to be used and abused by Satan. Just like the Antichrist is used and abused by Satan. He gives him his power, but then he takes all the worship. We've got literally... Global, worldwide, universal devil worship. That's where this world is headed to. We can see it heading there now. Because he is the little G-O-D of this world. And that's why we're told not to be worldly. We're told to come out of the world and be ye separate. Why are you told to be separate from the world? Because the world loves the devil and they're going to worship the devil. And if you're not careful, you'll just get taken in like the frog in hot water. And just chuck it in the boiling water. You put it in there and you just turn it up slowly. Before you know it, you're just as worldly as the world. Worldwide universal devil worship. Notice what they're saying. While they're worshipping the devil, while they're worshipping the beast, and here is the... Bunch of hypocrites. Atheists. I don't believe in God. You can take your Bible. When I see it, I'll believe it. Now what are they doing? They're worshipping. They refuse to worship God. You go to talk to this world out there and they'll, you know, they'll scoff, mock, ridicule and the atheist will get up in your face and say all sorts of things. But if they die lost, if, if, if they don't get saved and they find themselves in the tribulation... They'll become religious. Oh yeah, they'll worship. They'll bow down. They'll raise the hands. Oh, they'll worship. 
Won't be Jesus. Oh no. No, no. It'll be Satan. It'll be Satan. Notice what they're saying. The wicked are always saying something stupid. And here they are. Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? You know, if you let a fool talk long enough, they expose their foolishness. And the world are fools. Fools. To reject Jesus. To reject the one that died for their soul. But yet worship Satan. And they come and they say in wonder and in worship, they're him. It's, it's their hymn. They're, they're singing it. They're saying it. It's coming out of their mouths as they're worshipping the beast, as they're worshipping Satan. They're saying, who's like him? And we'll take that a step further. Who's going to make war with him? Oh, who's? Well, there's coming. He's coming. Oh, yes. Yes, he's coming. So we see the beast and the dragon worshipped. Notice, sixthly this morning, notice the beast's mouth. Just like the fools that worship him, notice the mouth of the beast. And he opened... um, Sorry, yeah. Verse 5, sorry, yep. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Notice his mouth. Again, this antichrist, this individual, this beast, the son of perdition, he's given a mouth. What's that mean? Is it, I thought you said he was a human being. He is a human being and he has a literal, he has a physical mouth, but he's, he's given the ability, oh, to be a great orator. Now, one thing I am not is a great orator. But there's been some great orators down through history. And one of the most compelling voices I've ever listened to, and I don't even understand what he's saying, is Hitler. You listen to him? Oh, it's awe-inspiring stuff, and I don't even understand what he's saying. He, he moved a whole nation with his mouth. And this is why, let me just say this and I'll get to it again. This is why we don't interpret the scriptures by current world events. Because in current world events back in his day, he was the Antichrist. That's him. No, it wasn't. Wrong. Amazing orator though. Moved a, whole, moved a whole nation with his mouth. Martin Luther, Luther King Jr., he was, he was incredible, wasn't he? That black man from the South, boy, he could talk. Incredible orator. Just had a way with words. There's few of them in our day. I don't know of one. I better leave all, well, yeah. Certainly not Anthony Albanese (laughs) or Scott Morrison or Pauline Hanson or Clive Palmer. I mean, we're just, no great orators there. But this beast, he's going to be given a mouth. And with this mouth, notice what happens. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things. Oh, He just moved everybody with the wonderful things that came out of his mouth. Oh, he he was inspirational. He's powerful. He's moving and compelling with what he has to say. But also blasphemies. Oh, that with which his mouth, no doubt, given by Satan the dragon, has given him a mouth. And it's a mouth not only to speak great things, but blasphemous things. Things disrespectful to God. Things mocking God. Things mocking the real Christ. A mouth of blasphemy. 
Notice his mouth. Seventhly, this morning, notice the beast's duration. The Antichrist's duration in verse 5. Power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. Again, he doesn't even have his own power to determine how long he's going to be around. He's there for 42 months. He's there for 1,260 days. He's there for uh, three and a half years. He's there for the last half of the of J of Daniel's 70th week. He's there for the great tribulation period. Three and a half years. That's his duration. He will not last any longer. Limited time. A limited duration. Seventhly, notice... Uh, oh, well, go, go with me to Daniel chapter 9, if you would. Just in regards to this duration, Daniel chapter 9. Let me just show you. We're not making this stuff up. Daniel chapter 9... Uh, verse 24, uh, down through, well, we could read all the way down through 27, but we won't. We'll just, for the sake of time, you make note of 24 through 27. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. But notice verse 24 particularly gives us the time pay- table for this prophetic, prophetic period. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the whole and the, to anoint the most holy and as we continue to work down through there and we study that out we see that only 69 weeks have been accomplished there's still one week of years that relates to seven years equals one week and he is there for that 42-month period, his duration. Notice, eighthly this morning, back in our text in Revelation 13, in verse 6, notice the beast's blasphemy. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. To blaspheme, as I've said, is to, dis- is to speak disrespectfully of God. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High. He will speak great words against the Most High. They're going to blaspheme. He's going he's to open his mouth in blasphemy against God and... He's going to blaspheme his name. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Here's one in amongst religious people. Well, oh my God is too, unfortunately. Oh my Lord. I don't care if you say it OMG with your thumbs or you say oh my God with your lips but if you use the name of God in any other context than in a respectful manner towards Him it is blasphemy. And Christianity has got so loose, so careless, so silly that people that name the name of Christ then use his name in a blasphemous way. Why do you think this world does not say, Oh, my Buddha? There's a reason. Because it's the God of this world that likes to hear this world blaspheme God's precious name. You as a Christian ought not blaspheme. 
You oughtn't condone blaspheming. You oughtn't allow blaspheming. You ought to have a backbone enough to say, hey, enough. I've heard this done and, uh, and I've, I've done similar in workplaces where I used to work at the smelter and different places. There was an individual particularly, he used to take the Lord's name in vain, Jesus Christ, all day. And it just makes it, oh, I don't even like saying it like that, saying it for the sake of illustration. And so I said to him, and I asked him about it, and I asked him not to do it. Well, he didn't care. That's okay. So what I did, and I won't say his name, but let's just say his name was... I'm trying to pick a name that's not here. (laughs) Wally. No. (laughs) Got you again, bro. Got you again. I was getting in through discipleship. We got him again. No, uh, let's say, let's see, um, let's see. Uh, um, so give me a name that's not here. Bob. Bob, thank you. Go with Bob. That was the loudest. Bob. So there's no Bob here, is there? So this just let's just say this gentleman's name was Bob. So every time I hurt my thumb or drop something, oh, Bob. He got the message. He got sick of hearing his name. <laughs> now, I was, oh, that, that wasn't original. Someone told me to do that and see how it works. So they'd done it for themselves. And I, so I did, and it worked for me. After a while, he didn't stop completely, but he got the message and he stopped taking my Lord's name in vain. Around me anyway, so much. Blasphemy. Why do you think this world blasphemes God's name? The name of Jesus Christ especially in Australia. Let me give you this one, crikey. That's an abbreviation, a slang for Christ. You're making that up. Go look up in the dictionary. Well, I think you've been, I think you're taking it too far. Okay. I'm not going to say crikey. You say crikey. And we'll see how we go. Maybe I'm taking it too far. But we're talking about the name of Christ. Can we be too careless? I mean, can we be too careful? Oh, no, but we can be too careless. What's he doing? This beast, what's coming out of his mouth is the blasphemy, blasphemy against God, blaspheming in his name, blaspheme in his tabernacle and he's even blaspheming them that are in heaven. Why? Because he got cast out of heaven. And he's blaspheming the very ones that are up in heaven. Notice the beast's war in verse 7. The beast's war. It was given unto him. Again, he has nothing of his own. Do you see? It's just a constant thing. It was given unto him. To make war with the saints and to overcome them. Here he is. He's warring with the saints. He's going to overcome the saints. And we know that these saints that he's warring against are the tribulation saints that are converted under the preaching of the two witnesses and the 144,000 tribulation witnesses. Oh, he's, he's going to make war against them. He's going to overcome them. Many will be martyred in that day. Many will lose their life for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice the beast's influence in verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Worldwide worship of the Antichrist will be the flavor of the day whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Who's going to worship Him? Everybody whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. 
That's who. Go with me, if you would, please. Turn me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Uh, For those of you that are saved, for those that have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, this is for us. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise God, they're going up. Then then we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And folks, we can, we can carry that over into Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and 4, and we see the catching away of the church, and the church mentioned no more in the book of Revelation. Because the church is raptured before the tribulation period. But notice, go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you've not been saved, you're not going to get caught up to be with the Lord. If your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, you're not going when the church goes. You're staying. You will be left behind. I think that would make a good movie title, wouldn't it? Left behind. Left behind. You will be left behind. You will not go unless your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you don't go, you're not caught up and you remain. You will worship the Antichrist. You will become a devil worshiper. You say, I don't believe it. Well, I don't believe you. I believe the Bible. Notice 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren. By the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together under him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So we're talking about we, notice that, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together under him. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. We're all in context. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's more evidence that he has the name of Christ written across him, his forehead. Remember ye not, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity already uh, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. I'm not going to go into all that. I've preached the previous. Go back and look at the messages. And, when, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Notice the change of language in them. It's not you, it's not we, it's not our, it's them. There's a language change. Read your Bible carefully. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, 
Why? Because they, not us, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they, not us, they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Change again in verse 13, but we. Isn't that good? Praise God, I'm out of here. I'm one of we, I'm our, I'm not them, I'm not they. I'm not staying and I'm going because I've got my name written in the Lamb's book of life. But if you don't have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, God, you reject the love of the truth, you refuse to be saved, you refuse to receive Jesus as your saviour, you will get left behind when the church goes and God will send you a strong delusion, you will believe a lie, you will worship the beast, you will worship Satan and you will be damned. Based on what? The authority of Scripture. Lastly, notice the beast's cruelty in verse 10. Revelation 13 and verse 10, the beast's cruelty. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The patience and the faith and the endurance and the perseverance of the saints, the tribulation saints, shall be tested and displayed under the cruel persecution of the Antichrist. Notice these two verses. I won't get you to turn there for the sake of time. We need to finish. Daniel 7 verse 21. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Daniel 7 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall, notice it, wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until time and times and the dividing of time. What's he going to do? He's going to, he's going to make war against the saints. And Daniel 7 verse 25 said he's going to wear out the saints. It's going to be a war of attrition. Oh, the cruelty. Let me give you, in closing, five characteristics of the Antichrist. Number one, his first characteristic is going to be he's going to preach a doctrine of humanism and self-love. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He's a human being. But he's going to put himself... It's humanism. It's self-love. And I tell you, that's the gospel of this world. Daniel 11.36 says, And the king shall, be, shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvellous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that is determined shall be done. So he'll be preaching a doctrine of humanism and self-love. He will possibly be, and please I say possibly, he will possibly be homosexual. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 37. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Well, that would be fitting with the world climate, wouldn't it? Charismatic. Third third characteristic is that he'll be charismatic in not only in his demeanour, but also in his 
religious dealings. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and wonders, lying wonders. I'm not hating on our charismatic Pentecostal brethren, but I'm going to say this. It's not what it's made out to be, at the very least. It's all about signs and wonders. That's so unbiblical. Signs and wonders were for unbelieving Jews, not believing Gentiles. Study your Bible. Signs and wonders for unbelieving Jews. If you want to practice and look for signs and wonders and you're an unbelieving Jew, help yourself, I suppose. It's not going to help you any. But if you're a Gentile, if you're a a saved, born-again believer, signs and wonders aren't for you. I'm telling you, that whole system is just setting the world stage. Oh, it's just setting it all up. Charismatic. He'll be unifying and ecumenical. We won't take the time. Read Daniel eleven twenty one through 24. He'll just bring everybody together. Well, let's just all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Let's just focus on, and I hear this all the time as a pastor. Let's just focus on what we agree on. Well, I'm willing to do that, but I'm also going to acknowledge what we disagree on. I can focus on what we agree on, but I'm not just going to forsake everything we disagree on to fellowship on the little bit we do agree on. Not going to do it. Not on the fundamentals of the faith. Nuh-uh. What's that? That's ecumenicalism. I can just go hold hands with the Catholic Church. I can't. I'm not going to. They're idolaters. They worship idols. Oh, but we're, we're all Christian. Hardly. Fifth thing. Uh, He'll come preaching and bringing, and I emphasize false, false policies of prosperity and peace. False policies of prosperity and peace. Daniel 8, 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty but not by his own power. Mm. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy, see, I'm not just making this up, through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace, shall destroy many. It's a false policy of peace. It's a false policy of prosperity. And he also shall also stand up against the prince of the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. The Antichrist, in closing, will be the universal political leader empowered by Satan, who is making use of religion to his own end. Notice Revelation 13. You might have noticed we jumped over verse 9. If any man have an ear, let him hear. All through the book of Revelation, uh, up until up until here, if you read through Revelation 1, 2, 3, all through there, where it, it's speaking to the churches where the Spirit, he that hath the ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Under the church, under the church, under the church, under the church. Seven times under the church. Now, it's not under the church. Why? Church is gone. It's just hear what the Spirit saith. What I want to say to you this morning is you better hear what the Spirit has to say. You better hear. You better hear the gospel. Your only hope is to hear, believe and receive what the Word of God says about your sin and the Saviour.
Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given among men whereby we must, we collectively must be saved. I'm going to say that again. And those of you, those of you that believe that, I want you to say amen. We collectively, there's no other name, no other name whereby we collectively must be saved. So if we collectively must be saved, if you're not saved, you're in trouble. If you can't say amen, you're in trouble. 